0: I am so thrilled to be here, uh, not just because of Claire, but especially for Claire. We are delighted in this, to be able to be here at Maranatha for the first time in all the years of ministry. We had never gotten up here. I'm delighted. Back a number of months ago, Dr. Marriott invited us, and uh, we just thought it will come out publicly that, we're, that we've been invited, and so word will come out eventually. But it didn't come out, and so we let the Greens know that we were going to be in Watertown this week on Saturday, (laughs) and then on Sunday, we let the church know that we were going to be in Watertown, and today, Claire found out that we were going to be in Watertown and found out that I'm speaking, so uh, anyway, I'm so glad to be here. I want to thank the Lord for Maranatha. I'm so grateful for your ministry over the years, I really do appreciate Dr. Marriott inviting me, I'm honored, I'm humbled, I'm just excited to see a group of young people with a determination, with something deep in your heart that says, I want to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank the faculty and the staff that are investing their lives into the next generation, gifted Generous, giving, sacrificial people. Those who are outstanding in their field. And they have chosen to serve you. And they will be so memorable to each of you. They will be great in your eyes. And I want to thank them. And I want to thank parents and grandparents that are here tonight. You are the... Single most influential human influence in the life of these young people. You are the reason that they're here primarily. It was your faithfulness, your perseverance, your dogged determination, your threat of violence, all of those things that got them to where they are today. And we're just so thankful for that. And congratulations to all of you who are receiving degrees, whether bachelor, master's, or doctor here uh, tomorrow. I, I'm just excited to be a part of this. I'm so thankful to be here. And, uh, and yet if I ask you, what was your life like? What was your home like? Most every one of us would just say, oh, it's just an ordinary home. You know, we had an ordinary life with an ordinary family, ordinary things happened to us. And most of us, I don't know if you've figured this out, most of us are ordinary. You know, that's just all we are. We're another of God's special creation, but he made a few of us here on planet Earth. And uh, uh, it, it is just that which we kind of all see ourselves as ordinary. And uh, you have been a part of the ordinary life of Maranatha Baptist University. And there's routine here. Routine is good in our lives. Some of you had never disciplined yourself to routine. And yet God has been developing you. You're taught by those who are so exceptional. But their life is routine. It's the daily routine of life that is so vitally important. And it is the daily routine that will either make you effective for the Lord or will hinder you in your service to the one that I hope you go out to serve. Well, let me, let me tell you a couple of things we know. First, we know this, that from the word of God, believers are to be servants. Paul's favorite introduction of himself could have been degrees, I'm, I'm sure. He, it couldn't have, could have been his pedigree in the Jewish nation. And yet, Paul's favorite description of his life was Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, the earthly brother of the Lord Jesus described himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. He didn't say my brother, you know, my, my earthly, I, I grew up with him, you know, and I had a special privilege. Uh, no, he is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and beloved, uh, this matter of being a servant is one of those areas that ought to be very concerning to you if you're going to follow in the train, the great 2,000-year-old train that, that we have watched as the church has been blessed of God time and time again. This word servant, it's used for a slave. It is used for one who permanently is in servitude. It's one who permanently is in subjection to a master. You have a master. The question is, who is your master? Even though we know the Lord, even though you've been saved, maybe you're wrestling with who your master is. Paul speaks in Romans chapter 6, he says, uh, This great truth know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, whether of sin unto death. Of obedience unto righteousness. And maybe you're here this evening, excited about graduating, looking outwardly as if you're serving the Lord. But you have allowed some secret sin, you have been playing. With a tiny little sin that seems so innocent, but it's growing. And it will become a monster in your life over time because you have allowed sin to bring death to your effectiveness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you serving? Who is your master tonight? I hope your master is the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin. We'll never stop battling sin. Be careful. It will remove you from being effective for your Lord. You know, there's another thing that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. And there he's talking about this man uh, who, who serves with high service. He's a man pleaser. His problem may not be with a particular evil sin, but his problem is with self. And he is serving the Lord for the praise of man. And you will never be able to rest where as far as your flesh is concerned. Paul says, "The servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Be careful. Be careful that yours is a soul-deep, heart-filled love for the Lord Jesus Christ. A holy determination that you will not let go of. Because that is to be our mark, beloved. We have a responsibility to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lifetime self-sacrificing service to the one who gave himself for you that word servant it is the idea of being a bond slave or a bondman Uh, it is one who who willingly gives up his personal freedom in order to serve another master willingly gives up the freedom that he could enjoy in order that he might serve one, again, who does so from a willing spirit. Noah Webster gave an interesting description regarding this matter of a servant. He said, the word servant is correlative to master. If you're going to use the word servant, you have to have a master. Those two are implied to go together. And a servant differs from a slave, he said. A servant's subjection to a master is voluntary. A slave's is not. I'll say that again. A servant's subjection to his master is voluntary. The slave's is not. Every slave is a servant, but not every servant is a slave. A bond slave is not someone who was taken against his will, fighting and kicking and screaming, forced into service. Hating every moment of it. Looking for a way to get out of it. No, rather he's one who voluntarily gives himself to the service again of another. Paul's heart was to serve. And Paul's heart was to serve because his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, had a heart to serve. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And we're to enter into that same spirit that was the spirit of our Lord Jesus himself you are not your own. You've been bought with a price and you and I are to glorify God in the body and the life that he has given us to live. It will pass fast. Days will go so slow, (laughs) but years will fly. Decades will go by. You will have children graduating from Maranatha one day. The Lord doesn't return first, but, but that's just what life is. So God calls us out of this ordinary life to live a life that we never could have imagined for ourselves because a life lived for Christ is extraordinary. Everybody around you may see your ordinary routine day after day, but to you, it is a work of service to your Lord every day. You are doing it for him and it elevates ditch digging to royalty. You are called to serve. And my, how important that is. But again, serve servant, he willingly, willingly gives up his personal freedom. And we do that for Christ, our Lord and master. We're not slaves. A slave may resent what his master wants him to do. He may hate it. He may leave it. He may run from it. He may escape it at the first opportunity. God does not call you to be that kind of slave that you are laboring against your will. You will not last. You will not make it if you've missed the heart of being a servant. So the, vol- the, the servant voluntarily, permanently, energetically, joyfully, thankfully, gives his life to Christ for as long as he lives. He's his master's man. He's going to serve him as long as he's got breath or as she's got breath. That's what he calls us to. That's our responsibility. And beloved, that we know. I didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. We know that. It's it's from the word of God. But you know, I just wanted to be personal maybe more personal than i've ever been in any message i wanted to be just practical to help you because there were a lot of things i didn't know <laughs> i was a young boy in greenville south carolina who was visited by a youth pastor on a saturday morning i promised him the next sunday that i would go to church and i did And I walked into a church and heard the gospel clearly presented for the first time. I didn't know hardly anything. I knew that I was a great sinner. And I knew that Christ was a great Savior. And I trusted him when I was 14 years old. Life had fallen apart at our home. And yet, when I got saved and... Baptized and joined South Side Baptist Church, I found this group of people who loved a boy like me and who invested their lives in them. A man by the name of Frank Garlock that you may have heard of before was the the choir director of the church and as I was there a while, he allowed me to join the choir, and I watched him and just thought. My, how marvelous this is. Another fellow by the name of Ken Hay was a deacon in the church, and and Ken Hay would have such an influence again on my life. And a man by the name of Walter Fremont, whose life touched so many around the world, remarkable men, Ron Brooks, Major Brooks with World Baptist Mission. He, He helped a young boy, a young nobody, and he invested his life into others. And I never knew there were men like those men. They touched my life. And uh, I, I, I will never be able to thank the Lord for all that that, uh, that church did for a young boy who had so little of what he needed in, in life. But again, I, I, I didn't know when a year later I presented my body as a living sacrifice. And I said, Lord, I have no idea what I can do, but I give myself to you. I'm yours. I'm volunteering. And Lord, if you can use me, I'm yours. And I want to be available for whatever there is that I can do. And I had no idea that step and where it would take in my life. But, but uh, I can remember thinking, Lord, now you know I'm not much. And I thought, yes, he does know <laughs> that. He knows us. He knows what you're like. There's no need pretending when you go to the Lord in prayer, is there? But, but uh, I'm so thankful that, that I learned early on in my Christian life that the Lord wants me, and he wants you, and he wants you for all the days of your life and, and how important that is. You've, you've been following so many different things. I, did, I didn't know what the Lord wanted me to do. I didn't know where the Lord wanted me to go. And I didn't know with whom the Lord wanted me to do it. And uh, those were serious questions to a young boy who knew so little. And so uh, I I just said, Lord, I'm yours. I didn't know anything then. But my, how you learn when you set on that path of saying, Lord, I'm yours. And how God will begin to change you. He will whittle on you. He will use his rasp on you. He'll cut away dead wood out of your life. He will hurt you in order to use you. He will cause you pain in order to bless your life. And it is a remarkable thing. But but I remember saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And, uh, And yet there's a question perhaps even greater than that. It is, Lord, what wilt thou have me to be? Because what you are is more important than what you do. What you are is more important than where you go. Location, where, where, Lord, where? Vocation, what, Lord, what? God says, I want you. I want you. I want to change your life. And I will spend... A lifetime, your lifetime, changing you. What will you be when you get to where you're going? Are you going to hurt the cause of Christ because you are not what you ought to be? That is a sobering question. And I challenge you as you face this wonderful time in your life, how thrilling that is to just know that, that God can work. And uh, uh, again, I had no idea of the steps and the stops of the Lord in my life. I just knew I wanted to, to uh, follow him. I came to know the Lord. I, I gave him my life. I started, I'm going to mention a name, please don't kick me off for the, I hope the floor doesn't open up. I went across town to Bob Jones University and uh, don't throw things. (laughs) No, I, I know, I know there are men here and women here who have gained so much from the university, but I went across town and I had no idea that my freshman year, Ken Haywood say, hey, I need 30 fellows to go work and get the camp ready, so we'll have it ready for the month of August. Well, I, I was at the front of the line, and I was so glad I went. We bathed every day in a creek, and uh, there was no running water at all, and, and we worked hard and uh, uh, ended up having just two weeks that first summer at camp, and, and now millions have gone through. It has affected the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. But, you know, I had no idea... When he said, I need some volunteers, I had no idea the length that I would enjoy my whole family through the wilds. And yet, uh, uh, the Lord knew that. I, I didn't know. I didn't know when I was invited by a young lady to preach at her dating outing at Table Rock State Park that that day the master was going to tell me, this is the girl that you're to go through life with. And uh, thankfully, she was listening to the same Lord I was, <laughs> and, so, and so the Lord brought us together o- over time. And, and again, uh, just so many things. I'm, I'm really trying to cover a lot of ground in a few minutes, and I'm going to have to pick up my pace, or, or we'll be somewhere in the 1980s when it's an hour and a half from now. But but I had, I had no idea. I had no idea that w- when we got married in 1976, the bicentennial year, um, that that... Within the next year, we would be in High Point, North Carolina, and I would start as youth pastor there, and we arrived there, and and I didn't realize that we had come to the place where God wanted us to be for 45 years. I didn't realize that. I thought we were going to feet wet for a couple of years and we'd be gone. But the Lord had other plans. And it, it's been a, a wonderful thing. I didn't know that these brothers and sisters in Christ in that church and, and those who have come and gone through the years would be as close to me as my biological family. I didn't realize there would be that kind of closeness. And yet I've watched them uh, marry and I've watched them have children and grow up and them have children and them them come along here and uh, graduate from Maranatha Baptist University but it's just a wonderful thing and and they have loved us and they have been patient with us they've supported us they have they have submitted even to the authority of an imperfect man as pastor and i never thought the lord would do that in my life and and i got involved with our christian school we were in a in a Court case the year after I arrived, and we followed that, and we were there in the court and God gave a landmark decision back in the early 1980s that uh, the Christian schools of North Carolina would be free uh, to operate with the exception of fire health and safety. It was just a remarkable win, and uh, the Lord caused to antagonistic associations in the state to disband and form one new association the North Carolina Christian School Association and God has blessed it to where it's the largest association in the nation right now um just to be a part of all of that I never thought I didn't know uh the many things, the friends that God has given and you you 're going to find that, that the lord 's going to do that for you god 's given us children I'm, I know brother uh, Marriott sorry he covered some of this, but but uh, there will be things come into your life that you will not realize right now sickness, death, tragedies there will be those that you love who will disappoint you. There will be those fellow laborers who will turn against you or depart or bitterness. There will be ways that the Lord shapes your life through your interaction with others. And I can't determine the actions of others, but I can determine my response to that. And you you grow and you develop. I look back at what I was when I started this journey, and I, 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 I'm astounded that I'm still in the same place and that anyone will come. But I know that God has, has just kept working. I'm so glad for that. Um, out of our Christian school movement, Brother uh, Marriott was sharing with you that, that we started Return America. We have several hundred churches who support us monthly and protecting religious liberty in the state. And it really has been interesting. I'll tell you another fascinating thing that happened in my life. It was three days in May of 2020. It's important because you're gonna go out in the ministry and you're gonna face some legal challenges. There's more need for good, solid Christian lawyers today. But uh, during the COVID mess and suddenly the governor of North Carolina said churches are no longer essential. And so the executive orders from the governor said, you can go to Walmart, but you can't go to church. Well, we'll let 100 go. Then he said, no, 50. Then 10. If 10 people came, the 11th caused us to have to go outdoors. And we said, wait a minute, do we yield on our religious liberty? Do we what do we say when our grandchildren look and say, why did you give up our liberties? And so we had we had established a plan that if the governor did not respond, we would file suit. And so three days in May 2020, Thursday morning at eleven o'clock, we publicly announced we were filing suit for a temporary restraining order for the churches of North Carolina that the governor would not be able to control them because of our First Amendment rights. That was at 11 o'clock Thursday morning. A call that night said, a call from the Eastern Federal Court District of North Carolina said, be in court at one o'clock on Friday. Can you imagine sitting in a courtroom? There were three of us there. Our lawyers were here, the governor attorney there, and our the judge asked a few questions of the, the uh, legal team. He said, I think I understand. Seven minutes he questioned. He turned to the Solicitor General of the state of North Carolina, the governor's lawyer, and he began to ask him questions. And for 45 minutes, he asked him questions. Why does the governor trust Walmart and Amazon? Why can, why can they rub shoulders there and yet can't go across town and go to church. Why does he not trust Christians? Why does he not trust pastors? The most basic instinct is self-preservation. Does he think that Christians are going to go into a dangerous place? Do you think pastors don't care for their people? I mean, it was one question after another. And uh, we walked out of there stunned. He, He questioned him for 45 minutes, and we were out of the courtroom. And we were looking at each other. Thursday, we filed a lawsuit. Friday at 1 o'clock, we were in the courtroom. Saturday at 2 o'clock, the judge issued a temporary restraining order and opened all the churches of North Carolina in three days. I never thought, I mean, remember, this is the kid from the broken home South Side Baptist years ago. I never thought I would be allowed the privilege of just standing with honorable men, men who love Christ and love liberty. God has brought so many into our lives, and I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful, but I'm really probably needing to stop. I have another list of about 48 things to share with you, but I, <laughs> you don't want to hear them. And, uh, but I'm, you have no idea where God will lead you, what God will do with you, how God will change you if you will give yourself to him. Location is important vocation is important where you go what you do but transformation is vitally essential and if you do not let the lord change you this work that he's begun in you if you do not let the lord continue to do that you will not be a vessel meet for your master's use and that rests on the shoulders of every one of us it is a wonderful thing to know the Lord. I did not know what the Lord would do. And you do not know what the Lord will do in your life. But I know this. If you will yield daily to him, you will find that he will take an ordinary life and allow you to do that which will count for eternity. What a privilege. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean wholly on the Lord. Lean on the Lord like you do on that bed when you run back to the dorm and you throw yourself on it. You, all your weight's just resting there. That's what we're to do. Trust in the Lord is leaning wholly on him. And then he says lean not. Don't have a crutch that you're leaning on something that you're trusting instead of trusting the Lord. You lean on him. He is worthy of your trust. He will never fail you. He will give you wisdom when you need it. He will give you strength when you need it. He'll give you discernment when you need it. And though everybody else may go along, you will say, no, I cannot do that because this jealous God will not let me do it. And he will protect your life. Lean on him. Trust him. If you forget everything else, just trust him but he didn't stop there he said in all thy ways acknowledge him learn from him acknowledge to know Christ said learn of me I'm meek and lowly in heart and we learn from him every day we learn and if I will lean on him and if I will learn from him he has made me a promise he will lead me he will direct my paths. And your path right now, as you look at it, may seem like it's going in a thousand directions. But he is directing your path. And one day when we get home and we look back over our lives with God's perspective, we'll see that that path that seems so winding and seems so hard at times was straight. He directed. Jesus led me all the way. And that ought to be the longing of our hearts. Remember in Exodus chapter 21, we're told about those Hebrews, how when they came on hard times and had to sell themselves, they could only be sold for a certain period of time and then they were to be set free. The seventh year they were to go free. It was impossible for a Jew to be in slavery any longer than that. And so in, in Exodus chapter 21, it says in verse 5, and if a servant here at the end of this time, it says, if a servant plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Wait a minute, his debt is paid. He's now free. He can leave. It says, then his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall also bring him to the door, to the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. The old boy came on hard times, he sold himself into slavery. And over that period of time that he was under this master, he realized his master loved him. And while he's serving, he had found a wife. And God had given him children. And he's standing there looking. He's free to go. But he says, wait a minute. I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I have never lived so well as when I was in servitude to him. And so he goes and he has his ear bored and with that he says master i love you and i will love you as long as i live and he spent his lifetime serving his master let me tell you if you would serve the lord you ought to go to calvary you ought to get on your knees and you all say thank you lord i have never been treated so well you gave your life for me. And Lord, today, my life is yours. I will serve you forever. I will love you as well as I can. Until I die, I'm yours. Remember, it was Varney, Edward Varney, that would given moody credit but it was varney who said the world has yet to see what god can do through a man who is fully consecrated to him moody said i'm determined to be that man that's the challenge of the servants of the lord jesus christ i'm so thankful for you god's work deserves your best god's work deserves your life And he's leading you. And he's working. Give yourself wholly to him. Father, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you for their children. Or or, excuse me, their parents. Lord, the, the grandparents who are here. Thank you for the faculty. Lord, use each life. May each one honestly deal with his heart. And Lord, some secret area that he has not allowed you into. May he give it all to thee.